The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 25th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. The Bible is full of warnings for God's people. And the whole point of giving warnings is to draw your attention to danger. Now, God draws your attention to the danger that besets Christian lives not because he wants you to live in fear and trepidation, not because he wants you to be uncertain, but so that you can be prepared, so that you can be ready, because, in fact, you can. God tells you of the danger that confronts a Christian in his life because you can face that danger well. You can be prepared. And that's the whole point of our lesson today. We see a difference between wise and foolish virgins prepared for a wedding party, and the whole point is that you would be found among the wise that you would be found among those who get to enter into the marriage feast. And one of the startling things about our lesson today is that you can see how it is possible to spend lots of time getting ready and still be unprepared. After all, the foolish virgins were there waiting to get into the wedding feast. They knew that there was going to be a wedding. They knew that the bridegroom was coming. They knew that that is what they were waiting for. And yet, in spite of getting ready, they were unprepared. It's kind of like this. Imagine that you were going on a trip, and in order to get ready for the trip, you spend all kinds of time doing all kinds of things to your car. So you vacuum out all of the food crumbs that are on the floor. You make sure everything's neat and in order. There's no garbage sitting in the passenger seat, which is where my garbage goes. You get it all out of the, out of the way. You make the car nice and clean and comfy. You spend some time adjusting your seat so that you can sit with your hands in a safe position on the steering wheel. You buy lots of snacks to make sure you don't go hungry along the way. You adjust the mirrors to make sure you can see what's going on behind you. You plan your route, avoiding cities, avoiding tolls, getting some scenery along the way. You spend all kinds of time getting ready for your trip. But of course, you know that if you don't put any gas in the car, you're not going anywhere. And all of that getting ready is pointless. You spent lots of time getting ready, but you were, in the end, unprepared. Because the one thing that matters most, you did not do. In fact, you could go without all of those other things. 
You don't have to vacuum your car. You don't have to adjust the mirrors. You don't have to get your seat nice and comfy, but you do have to have gas in the car. For all you're getting ready, you were focused on the wrong things. And maybe this is the reason why. Maybe it's because you really like the idea of going on a trip more than actually going on a trip. You really like the idea of being comfy in your car more than you like the idea of getting to the destination, more than you like actually getting there. So you care about lots of things when it comes to taking a trip, but when it actually comes time to go, to get in the car and drive away, well, you just, you just sort of care about getting where you're going. You don't just forget to put gas in the car. It happens because of neglect, because you weren't actually intending to go anywhere. Now, this is the danger for Christians in this life. It is that we would spend lots and lots of time getting ready, but in the end, be unprepared. The first thing to note about that is that the great danger for Christians is seldom out-and-out rebellion. That is, the great danger for Christians is not that one day you're going to stand up and say that you hate Jesus or that you want nothing to do with him. I don't worry about that for any of you. In fact, you are all here because you love Jesus, and you would gladly say that. The danger facing, facing Christians is not that one day you're just going to all of a sudden decide you don't care anymore. That one day you're just going to decide that Jesus was all wrong and that this whole thing was a hoax. That does happen sometimes, but that's not the main danger that faces Christians. It is instead that you will care about Jesus and salvation, but you'll just sort of care. You'll kind of care. You'll care in a way that makes you feel like you're doing just enough to get by. And so you'll be here on a Sunday morning, but your mind is elsewhere, your hearts are elsewhere. You'll go through the motions and feel like in going through the motions, you're showing how much you care when in fact it's just a cover for how you're just sort of going along for the ride. Now that's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous thing to do. It's like showing up for your wedding and when the pastor says, do you take so-and-so to be your lawfully wedded bride, you say something like, sure, I guess so. It doesn't cut it when it comes to a wedding. It doesn't cut it when it comes to faith. You can't just sort of guess so when it comes to being a Christian. In fact, God says he wants you to love him with your whole heart, soul, strength, and mind. He wants you to love your neighbor as yourself. This is an all-in sort of a thing. And so today, take care. Watch out. Recognize that the danger for you is not that you're just going to leave here and never come back. The danger is that you'll leave here and go back to what you used to do before. That you'll leave here and it will have had no impact on your week going forward. That's the danger. You can see that in our gospel lesson. The wise and the foolish virgins, they all know where the party is. And it's not even this. It's not even drowsiness or sleep that is a danger for those virgins. Did you notice that? They all fall asleep. They should all be staying awake, watching, because they don't know when the bridegroom is going to come, but they all suffer from the same weakness. It is not weakness. It is not weakness and temptation that are the grave danger for you. It is that when you wake from your slumber, you would find yourself with too little oil, that you would be unprepared, that you didn't take time while you were awake, when things were easy, when you were not faced with grievous temptation, or tragedy or loss, that you did not take time when there was smooth sailing to go and buy the oil that you would need, which is kind of like treating this whole thing as a game, a matter of convenience. 
course, you can play Monopoly while you're distracted. You can have something on the TV, you can have a conversation while you're playing Monopoly, but you dare not do that. You dare not be distracted or be having a conversation about something else when you're handling real money, when you're trading on the stock market, when you're buying a house, or when you're investing in eternity. Don't treat it like a game. It's not a game. The judgment is real. The day of the Lord will come. That's what Paul says to the Thessalonians. It will come. And on that day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And the only question is whether you will be doing so willingly, gladly, rejoicing, that at long last, your Savior is here. Now, confessing with your lips is one thing, but I would urge you today to take into account, take into account how much your actions matter. There is a wrong way about thinking, a wrong way to thinking about Christian actions. Jesus cares about what you do, your righteous deeds. He cares about good works. He cares whether or not you are a good person. But more than that, he cares about this. Whether you act as though you believe. Whether you live your life in such a way that reflects your hope in his salvation. Think about how this plays out in your life. We talked about some of this last week. When we worry when we act as though everything doesn't matter, as though nothing matters at all, when we treat everything like the stuff of this world is more important, that the priorities of this life, the priorities the world gives to us, the things that we can see and hold on to right now, that that's the important stuff. When we live that way, when we act that way, we betray faithlessness. We show with our actions that our confession with our lips is false. And so, Guard your hearts and guard your actions. Look at your life and see. Does your life reflect your hope? Does your life reflect your, your faith? Now that question needs to be taken up. It needs to be taken up by these wise and foolish virgins. If they had come to the wedding party, sitting outside the gate, waiting for the bridegroom to come, they could have looked at their actions and seen whether or not they were prepared, whether or not their lives reflected their hope. Those foolish virgins seem to be there as a matter of convenience. Well, maybe we have enough oil to last us. We'll see. We'll see if it gets us by. We'll see if we can make it. What they don't reckon with is that there is a point of no return. There's a point of no going back. That the day of the Lord comes like a thief in the night. And like the pains that come on a pregnant woman, there's no stopping it once it starts. There's a point of no return. It's like when... You leave your shoes outside, and you think to yourself, not that any of you would do this, but when you were a kid, you might have done this. You leave your shoes outside, and your dad says to you, go pick up your shoes, and you say, I'll do it later. Of course, there's a point at which there's no, there's no more later, because the dog ate your shoes, right? There's a point of no return. You've got to do it now, because you might not have a chance later. We think of this way about so many things in life. I'll just take care of it later. I'll do it later. I'll pay this bill later. Of course, there's a point at which that bill gets sent to collections, and then you don't get to make up for it. And then all of a sudden there's more to pay. There's a point of no return. The day comes like a thief in the night. Watch, therefore. Pay attention. Pay attention to your lives and guard your hearts, because you are not any stronger than the foolish virgins. The wise virgins are not any stronger. They're not better able to endure temptation. They're not better able to stay awake when the going gets tough, when they get drowsy and Jesus tarries. The wise are not stronger, but they have faith. 
They trust in Jesus. They stumble just like the rest. They are lured in temptation to sin just like the rest, but they know what to do with their sin. They know to repent and believe. They know where forgiveness is found. They have filled their lamps with that kind of oil, the oil of gladness that comes from the cross of Jesus. They are prepared because they have spent their days with their eyes fixed on that hope, on that salvation. Not with their eyes cast all around in the world looking for hope and joy in all kinds of other places, but they have found true joy where it may be found, in the cross of Jesus. So when they wake up, when those wise virgins wake up, sure they are startled and probably a little upset that they fell asleep. They should be. But they are glad because they have been prepared. They are glad because they can go into the wedding feast and are welcomed by the bridegroom. That's the goal. That's the joy of being a Christian. It's not that you're perfect now. Don't take this lesson as an indication that somehow you need to be perfect now. Instead, think of it this way. Because of your imperfection, because of your sin, because of your weakness, how much more should you put your trust in Jesus? Who takes all of that from you, who fills you up with good things, who gives you his own life, his own faithfulness, even his own trust in his heavenly Father, who gives all of that to you. Let that be what fills you up day in and day out. This is good news for you who desire to be Christians, for you who want to be the wise virgins, for you who want to enter into God's kingdom. There's no mystery here. There's no secret to success. There's no tricks. It's simple. Listen to the voice of your Savior. This is what Paul says to the Thessalonians. You are not in darkness. On you, God's light has shone. You've been called. He has given you the gospel. Your sins are forgiven. You had it once already. You're going to have it again later. The blood of Christ, which invites you into the wedding feast, that's what you're going to receive. And so, receive it. Gladly. Thanking God that he has given you everything you need. You have everything you need. God is not stingy so that we should go through life just trying to scrape by. He doesn't want Christians to think, maybe I'll have enough. Maybe I'll have enough oil to make it to the feast. Maybe I'll be able to scrape by. That's not how God treats his Christians. It's not how he treats you, his beloved children. Instead, he gives you more than enough, more than you need, more than you could hope for. His word is ever-present. You have it on your shelves. You have it in your Bibles. You have it in your hearts. You know the words of the gospel. You know how to pray, and so do it. Be busy with that. That's how you fill your lamps. That's how you store up extra oil for yourself. Be busy with that day in and day out. If you need help with that, if you find yourself at the end of this sermon, at the end of this Sunday saying, I want my lamp full. How do I get it fuller? Ask me. This is my job. To help you, to guide you in studying and hearing and reading God's word. To help you to be sure that your lamps are full. That on the last day, you will wake up and you will rejoice. And you will hear the blessed voice of your Savior, not saying to you those awful words, depart from me, for I never knew you, but instead saying to you, blessed are you, welcome into my kingdom, beloved of my heavenly Father, welcome my dear children, welcome my saints, who are covered with my righteousness, come and enter into the joy of my Father. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen. Amen.